Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. Hey, guys, welcome back. This second part with Dread is killer. I just love the way he finished off uh, kind of his thoughts, and oh, I'm so, so excited. So how did the challenge go for you guys last week? Shoot me a note. Let me know. Uh, shoot me a PM on Facebook Messenger. Shoot me a uh, uh, email at the Christian Dad Podcast at gmail.com or throw up a, a review on uh, Apple Podcast or Amazon Audible. Either way, uh, throw that up there. Let us know how the challenge went last week. Who are your five guys? How might you change out who you spend time with next year to help you move toward those goals? Uh, did you consider inquiring about the ascent? Um, if so, did you do it? Did you not do it? So love to hear more from you guys. Uh, excited to lead a group starting January 9th that uh, helps guys move towards their long-term vision and accomplish the important but not urgent things. So consider how you guys are, are living your life, faith, family, fitness, fun, finance, friends, fellowship, you know, overall enjoyment of life. How, how do you lead your life as a Christian? How do people on the outside look at you and know that you're different? How can they see the Christian light in you? So anyway, let us get on with this episode. Part two with Dread starts now. Catch you guys next week. I'm not good at that. Yeah, yeah. I don't do that very well. So you've, you've got a book called Q Source, which subtitle Manual, Manual of Virtuous Leadership. So we were doing that the other day. We were carrying around what we call rucksack. You call wow. rucksack, you know. Or, you have no idea how much it honors me that guys I've never met have taken this stuff that I sat down and wrote, and it's of any value to you. So thank you for telling me that. Absolutely. So I, I lead QSource here in the, the region, and Super Crop Circle, I guess, leads the region, and I lead just my little AO, my little my little group of 15. Yep. But it, in that, we're, we're rucking, and there's a quote, and it just hit everybody. It was fatigue turns all men into cowards. True, isn't it? Yeah. But we had a big discussion about that. When you hear me repeat it back to you, what are some things you think about when you hear fatigue turns all men into cowards? Well, you know, of course, you know, I stole that from Eisenhower or somebody or Patton. I don't know. Um, there isn't anything. I think I didn't put it in the first paragraph for Q sources. Like I didn't make up anything. Well, you know, I'm not an inventive or, or uh, I just don't have that kind of mind. You know, I'm not an entrepreneur or, you know, I'm not, I don't have a great imagination, but I, I have like a near, like not a photographic memory. I have like a sub-level memory. Like I remember things and I am able to categorize them and organize them. That's, that's all I can do. Uh, so I didn't make up fatigue makes cowards of us all. And uh, because I don't have a photographic memory, I can't remember exactly who I took that from, but I usually cite it properly because I'm a good lawyer. Now, what it makes me think of is the, tr the physical training that, that I learned to do in the military. And we all went through. So I was an infantryman and a Green Beret. So both combat, physical things where 
carrying your rucksack, carrying heavy stuff, being able to be durable and keep on going. It's all very important. But, you know, er I think there's for every infantry soldier, there's like 17 non-infantry soldiers to support them who don't necessarily need like your finance officer or your ordinance officer. They're not physically carrying things. They don't, it's not part of their job. And yet they also uh, are obligated to conduct physical training and to pass physical training tests to make sure they're sufficiently physically fit to soldier, even though it's not part of their job to do so. And I think it goes right to that point, regardless of what you are called to do on in your life. If you are bent over with your hands on your knees, breathing hard, looking down, you can't possibly fight. Can't possibly do so. I mean, that is the surrender position. While it's fine to surrender to the Lord, that is the only entity that a man in America should ever surrender to. Uh, if you've ever seen a movie and you see this, this salute, you know, like the Brits do or whatever, uh, Americans, the only ones that salute like that because we don't have to expose our hand to anyone. We've never been occupied by a foreign power. We've never been subservient to one. We're Americans. So we don't salute that way. Last time there was a uh, a dusty foreign boot on American soil in anger was 1812, and it was for a very brief period of time. That's what it means to be an American. We have to stay physically fit to defend the nation, not just our soldiers, but us. I mean, what's your day job, brother? I'm an insurance broker. Our insurance brokers, our insurance brokers and our lawyers, everybody, because we are, in a sense, soldiers amongst the communities we are in, soldiers for righteousness, right? Right, right. Uh, that's what we are. That's what we're called forth to do. And that requires us to be fit. That's why I think that if you, if you read the Bible and you can look at it this way, he, Jesus didn't say, build me a church. Let's go to Capernaum and hang out there for three years. They're constantly moving, right? Actually, you had to be fit to keep up with them. If you think about it, I mean, it's, it's always climbing them out and they're walking through here. You know, they stop and do something. You know, the, uh, you know, the Samaritan woman at the well. I mean, he sits down exhausted. They're moving down all the way down to Jerusalem, right? Comes up with the water. I mean, they're always moving on the move. Uh, they were fit. And of course, if you, the way the synoptics and, and John deal with it is, is, is very, they don't go into detail of it, but just think about the crucifixion, right? I don't think I actually thought about it this way until I saw Passion of Christ. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It. Unbelievable movie. I didn't see it for 10 years after it came out. You know, I was like afraid to watch it. Because, because somebody had told me about it, but the beatings he took, the scourging, you know, they just say in the Bible in an offhand way, it's like, oh, they scourged him, like, you know, this leather strap with bones, you know, I mean, and that, that the Jews, although the Jews had, you know, they could only hit you 39 times, the Romans had no such restriction. I mean, he had to carry his cross up to Calvary after those beatings and being up, just being up all night. I mean, it's like a grow up times a million, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. I, worst, worst in the hu history of humanity. Yeah. No, I mean, only a, a man at the, at the height of his physical prowess. I mean, God did not alleviate his pain, right? He had to take the full brunt of it. It was a Gnostics are like, well, it wasn't really his body. No, it was. I mean, that's why Paul pushed so hard back on the Gnostics to, because that takes away so much of it to say that, well, he was just a spirit, just a hologram. Oh, no, he was a man of flesh and blood, right? He, he had the same pain tolerance of any man. The physical part of it, the worst part of it is he knew it was coming. I mean, he knew 
right? And if you think about that, the, the level of fitness that he had to have to, to withstand it, you know, whenever I'm going through a workout and feeling sorry for myself because it's painful, I think, man, I'm not feeling one gazillionth of what the Lord felt, right? I mean, it's almost a, a shameful to even think that way. So that's why I'm a big believer in that. I mean, uh, I don't think the Lord would have become a coward and shied away from his pain if he had been fatigued, but any other man would because he was the only one that did not sin. And cowardice is a sin. Fear is not, right? We're all we're born with it or there'd be no human beings. But to cowardice to me is to let yourself be overcome by your fear, to not stand forth into the face of danger, into harm's way for the protection of those placed behind you. That's the essence of cowardice. You know, when we put soldiers through basic training, we're teaching them how to do that. It's not natural. You know, to run is natural. You're born to run. But to stand and fight is not natural. So to stand forth in harm's way, refuse to back down, knowing full well that you could be killed or maimed or whatever, to do those things. If you are tired, overcome by fatigue, it's far more likely that you are going to succumb to that. That's why it makes cowards of us all, each and every one. I don't care how strong a man you are. I don't care what you've done in your life. If at this moment you're physically tested and you can't withstand it because you have let your body go, then you are very likely to succumb to it. And that will make you a coward. And that's the worst possible thing that could ever happen to a man, I believe. We also thought that applied mentally as well. Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm, those are things together, right? Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. You know, I trying a case, it's not physical, but I can tell you, I, I have like had three-week trials where I couldn't even work out and I was eating horribly and my weight at the end was the same as my weight in the beginning, which is impossible, right? Because I'm not moving. You know, my steps are like, you know, a thousand a day, right? Uh, it, it is so tiring physically and mentally. They're joined together. And I've seen lawyers who are not fit, overweight, obese, or whatever, let themselves go. At crucial moments towards the end of the trial, they, they give in to things they shouldn't give in to. You know, right at the end of the trial, it's, it, and, uh, or they, you know, they can't deliver their closing with full, full persuasive force. They've been overcome. And uh, it, so, yeah, mentally, you know, absolutely same thing. Yeah. So physical fitness as well as mental fitness, Absolutely. spiritual fitness, right. like you got to keep all that and keep, keep tabs on where you're at and, yep. you know, get some help when you need help. You got to be durable. Well, I think, but that's why, you know, it, Peter did not physically to succumb, right? Uh, outside Katia's house, Katia's or Annis's house, did not physically succumb. He mentally succumbed. He, he had been warned. Jesus said, you're going to, you're going to disown me three times before the, before the rooster crows. You're going to do it. He's winning 24 hours before he said it. And there he was, and, you know, the servant girl, the lowest person in society says, All right, you're a Galilee. And he goes, no, I'm not. I mean, and that was completely mental, right? Completely mental. And he Man. wasn't, he wasn't fatigued. Yeah. That's ultimate. Yeah. Turning yeah. your back on, on, but the to man. get to your point, Jesus, when, you know, Jesus says, you'll all be scattered. And Peter says, I will never, never turn my back from you. When he said, and he goes, you know, Peter, uh, Satan is asked to sift you like flour, but I've prayed for you 
but when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. That that piece of scripture, I always think every time I read it, I read it once a week. So I have this little cycle. I read it before I engage in intercessory prayer. Uh, but I can't help but think, Peter, if it were me, I would have said, well, don't let them. Don't just no. pray for me. Don't let them. Right, but right. Satan is asked to sift me like flour. You know, this concept, I think it's in Free to Lead. It's not a Q source. This concept of being shaken, right? Shaken, violently shaken to drop out those pieces of flour that are too small, small bore, right? As we talk about friendships, right? Your, 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 your second of friendships, they, they withstand that. But it was a brotherhood thing, right? It was a yes. brotherhood thing, right? That this togetherness. We're not, <clears throat> not designed. Peter tried to do it alone. Uh, yes. Yeah. That's what I'm like. Gee, he could have, like you said, Jesus right there. Jesus, wait, he, it, you, you actually enlightened me on this. I, did, I hadn't thought about it this way. Peter follows Jesus by himself. Where are James and John? Right. That's a really odd thing. So Mark says he ran out of his clothes. Nate, he's so scared, right? Where are James and John? Peter cuts off Malchus's ear. Jesus heals it. Says, nah, we're not going to do it that way. They drag him off. Peter's the only one who falls. And where are James and John? If he had been standing there at the fire barrel and the slave girl says that to him, would he have succumbed so readily? I don't know. I mean, that's kind of an odd fact. That it's odd that I never noticed that until you asked that question. But it, but it's true. Same man at the end of his life, Peter, who we understand. I don't think it's not in scripture, but we understand that when he went to the cross, he demanded to be crucified upside down because only Jesus gets to be crucified. I mean, that's an amazing fact, right? Same guy. There's so much of that that is out there. And one of the guys that was on before an FBI cold case homicide detective said, it's got to be true. The most likely answer. Right. You talked about Occam's razor. Yep. <laughs> the most likely answer most is likely, right. the obvious one. Right. Like, of course he ascended into heaven because otherwise we'd have his bones, you know, we got well, all these other guys' bones, but we, we why wouldn't we have Jesus? We have the centurion standing at the foot of the cross, the man charged with uh, seeing the crucifixion through a man who himself would have been put to death and failed, saying at the moment that the, the curtain is torn, saying, truly was the son of God. I mean, that's why how I got into this whole centurion thing is these centurions appear in these odd moments throughout scripture. And because they are generally men, they're leaders, they're integral to the Roman Empire, they're not Christians, right? They're men. And yet, you know, the first instance is the centurion going to Jesus who has, and he's got a servant dying. And he says, you know, will you, will you heal my servant? Jesus says, uh, he's no one, never met a man in all of, all of Judea with more faith than that. I mean, it's amazing. You know, the other the, the disciples are like, what about us? The centurion. <laughs> you know, and then the, at the foot of the cross, the centurion saying, surely that was the son of God. I mean, that, pretty strong proof. And then Peter going to the centurion's house uh, and having this dream that he can now eat. He's not a Kenny, but he's supposed to eat Cornelius's house. And then afterwards, this is not in synoptics. And then Cornelius turns and converts his entire household. So centurions are incredibly important, uh, play an incredibly important historical role in the Roman empire, but also in the, in the, the truth, the story of, of Jesus himself, which is why I chose the centurion as kind of the vehicle to say there actually is no, it's not two stories. It's not world history through the 
the lens of the Ro thousand year Roman Republican Empire. And also, you know, it's one story. And there's a linchpin, kind of a, you know, a connection in that one story, those two, those two separate, supposedly separate stories, and that's that centurion. And I say in America, in this time frame, we are to be centurions, but minivan centurions, right? That's right. That's right. Fathers and husbands drive around me. How can you tell? Guy gets out of his minivan wearing his cargo shorts and his shirt's got ketchup stains on it. And it's, his minivan smells like chicken fingers and, and uh, despair. You know, It's like, I know that smell. <laughs> you know, I know that guy with 14 flat soccer balls. Uh, I know that guy, right? Tired, you know, fighting for his family. And we are known by that. That story, and you know, I'm not going to tell the whole thing, but the woman coming up to me at the soccer field and handing me her cat, I didn't even know that she goes, what, Can you watch my kid? I got to go to the other side of town. I say to my kids, That's weird that she did that. And they're like, Who else could you be? <laughs> I mean, I could be a serial killer. And my daughter's like, Laugh, look at yourself. And I look in the mirror, you know, I got my $15 haircut, you know, my stupid t shirt, cargo short, and you know, my minivan full of soccer balls. Who else could I be? I mean, right. if you were Ted Bundy, I mean, you, you know, you'd have to go a long way to figure out how to recreate that. I mean, we are the we are the trusted keepers of the flame in our communities. And it's no doubt in my mind that it's pure evil through the splitter to try to convince men not to perform that role. Absolutely. To, to retreat, to, to give up, to go to go back to Galilee and fish is not what we're called to do. Uh, and we need to encourage each other, right? Encourage each other constantly, and all the more as we see the day approaching. That's what that's what that's what is necessary now. And if the Lord has called, called forth to do it this way through F three or whatever, yes. I'll be, if I get to heaven, he was like, "Yeah, that's why I did that." I'll be, I'll be like, "I'm shocked." <laughs> now tell me everything I did wrong because I know how that part's coming to. <laughs> I love the leadership side. There's a local guy, GMO, and he's now promoted into. F3 yeah. leadership. Yep. Fantastic guy. And as you're describing that, I'm like, that's GMO. That's GMO, man. And not uh, only is it GMO, it's Ralph. Yep. Ralph says hi, by the way. Yep. I love uh, all the Billikens, man. I forget. Early on, there was Billikens showing up at Grow, uh, Go, uh, Grow Rucks. And uh, I was like, you guys. Because I, you know, like I didn't, I've never, I'd never been to St. Louis. And I have to admit, I thought St. Louis was one of those cities that was kind of, imploding you know like up, up right York, like schenectady or binghamton or something i mean half of charlotte is is guys from you know cleveland and Buffalo right. and yeah and i kind of felt that way about st louis but i was but i you know i don't think that's true you know now that i've actually been there and met you guys i mean there's a tremendous uh faith community there a tremendous amount of great leadership out of st louis is no surprise to me i mean st louis the I mean, you guys would have two or at least two regions, maybe three regions. I don't even know. We, I think we were going on three now. Yeah. 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 And it, was, it just exploded there, right in the heart of the country out of Mississippi. Of course, it, that's true. Uh, but yeah, that's that's a, a place of, of, there's something special about that town, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Bricks now leading St. Charles and DD was leading my AO. And now, yeah. and now a guy named Soap is leading my, it's like, guys, just, there's a flood the other day. 20 of us woke up on a Saturday morning instead of working out together. We instead dealt with mud and slop and nastiness for five hours. And they said we did more work than all the other volunteers that were in this area did for three days. I, I believe it. I was in a 
south of here, Columbia, South Carolina is about an hour south. We're a little more at than here, about 100 miles. And they had this weird flood five or six years ago, maybe even a little longer than that, uh, because it's not on the coastline. There's not even a major river there. It just had a weird rainstorm, crazy little dam broke. Anyway, you know, kind of a lower middle class part of town. They had terrible floodwaters. And uh, the, the Columbia guy, F3 group, organized a um, just kind of what you guys are doing. Just got a bunch of guys every day. Uh, they would just send out teams to houses. Uh, and we were ripping out drywall and carrying people's stuff out. And we just show up, we're all wearing the shirt, shirts, right? We just there was hundreds of guys down there working. But one day I was um, I was there and I was working at a house and a guy shows up with a clipboard, FEMA guy, and he's like, you know, it's like, well, okay, who's he looks at us guys? He goes, Oh, it's you got F3's got this, checked it off. Just walked away. <laughs> That's what it was like when we were doing it too. Yeah. They're like, Oh, you guys are here. I mean, yeah, yeah, we're here. We got it. You know, we got it. Right. I I thought it was pretty cool. You know, a bunch of lawyers and real estate guys, you know, with pitch with with hatchets and stuff, hatching out all the stuff. We like every house, we had at least one guy knew what the heck he was doing. And the rest of us, right? Yeah. The shovel there lawyer, you know, but uh, we just kept at it, you know, and, that's the way I kind of feel about it is, you know, that we have this hurricane now, of course, roll, just rolled through Florida and I've been keeping up with the F3 guys down there, you know, uh, but they're all pitching in and firing in. Uh, That's where it really should start. Right. I mean, whenever you read the media and they're complaining, well, the federal government didn't get here fast enough in the state. I'm like, look, okay, fine. But where are you? I mean, it's your community, right? Remember that picture after uh, New Orleans and, you know, they couldn't get those people out of there. They couldn't get them out of there. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the transport. And there's this picture of a bunch of school buses lined up underwater. And it, I think it tells the whole story. Why didn't you men get those guys out of there? Well, we were waiting for waiting. Why weren't you that somebody? Can't you look around and see? I mean, floods really bring out the best in F3. There's one, it was one in the, Eastern part of the state here in North Carolina went out. These guys were in Wilmington. They were literally just rebuilding people's houses. It really brings out the best because it's an it's a obvious thing. The government resources are overtaxed, and they're not from here. Unless you have a National Guard armory in your town, I mean, they're not from here. It's your obligation as a man to say, "Well, who lives on my street? You know, some elderly folks there. Are you know, go knock on a door." I mean, I just don't really get it. This idea where you're going to passively sit back and say, well, you know, the federal government didn't get in here and save us. That, that to me is the wrong answer, right? So I'm not surprised that you guys jumped on it. Uh, of course, you got to jump on it, right? Right. Absolutely. It was one of the highlights of my entire year that I got to be a part of that. Feels good to be it able does. to be a service, right? Yep, it, it does feel good. And your third thing about going to church was finding who you can help. Yeah, right. So when you hear people talk about church and whatever they say about it, my question to them is, what are you giving to them? Where, what are you bringing to that community? Where's your talents going? Who are you helping? You know, yeah. You're talking about what you're going to get out of that deal. My question is, what are you giving into that deal? And, you know, most of the time when they're complaining, the answer is, well, I'm not giving anything. Right. I'm not looking for every, what I can give. Right. That's true of every, every, every single possible organization. 
Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You can either be another army thing would they would say <laughs> you could be an asset or liability, or you can be a. Uh, we talk about combat multipliers, right? So, you know, certain weapon systems or certain command or communication systems that we had. American Army, you know, is is super well organized. Great leadership schools, you know, teaches you all these processes so that you can. Uh, be lethal, win the battle, and protect the force, right? So always, you know, always those things, right? And so combat multipliers mean, well, you got this many guns, you got this many bullets. The other guy's got this many. We always talk about Soviets. Soviets in my era in the Cold War had far more armaments, at least on paper, than we had. And yet they never came across that border. I mean, uh, because we had combat multipliers, you know, because we were so well-led and had such, such a vibrant uh, leadership system. So we would say of a guy that was, you know, a great leader, he's a combat multiplier. And there was a few guys that were crappy leaders. And we say that guy's a combat divider, right? He's, he, his presence makes you less lethal than you should be. And I think that the same, sorry for this long metaphor, same thing can be said of any man in any organization. You are either the kind of man who's like, all right, these are the resources we have. I can cry about that. I can say we should be paid more, whatever. Or I can try to make the most of that and multiply the, the impact of the force of that. Uh, I can be that guy, a multiplier. Or I can be the divider, the guy that says, well, we can't get this done because, you know, whatever. Right, uh, right. And I, I would hope that F3 guys, you know, the F3 ethic is you leave, you leave everything, you, everywhere you go, you leave it cleaner, better, whatever, than you came. Everything you touch, you make it better. Every man whose life that you, that you uh, impact you help him be a better person, whatever it'll be. Uh, you help him. You help him with that. Because if we all did that, if we all went, not that we're all perfect guys, you know, it's like, look, I get so mad at other lawyers sometimes, you know, in a case, and I just want to rip them or whatever. And I'm thinking this guy's a fellow member of the bar. It doesn't do my community any better for this dude to walk out of here, hanging his head low, thinking he's a jackass, even if I think he is. I'm not a, I don't have just warm feelings. Oh, I'm going to help you. because, But I help the other guy because it helps him to be a better lawyer. And that helps my community. Even in, while I'm doing it, I'm like, why do I got to do this? Right. <laughs> <laughs> why, why I got to do this? You know, so what is the phrase? Like God loves a. Uh, cheerful giver. Cheerful giver, but he'll take your, he'll take whatever you can do. You know, it's like, I've never heard a pastor say that. Just give anyway, even if not cheerful. I'm often not cheerful. But I still try to be the yeast. You know, that's my one word for the year to help other men rise, uh, to plant a seed and help it grow, even though, you know, every day I don't feel like that every day. I feel like that right now because, you know, you're giving me all this, you know, affirmation and positive feelings. So I feel all real good about it. But, you know, it's one thing to do it when you're doing it that way. Another thing when you're doing it, people are yelling at you. You know, the guy who can do that. Right. Keep his head when everybody else is losing theirs and blame it on you. You know, the guy that can do that is a true leader, true, true man of God. So I, I yearn for that. Try to be that guy. Absolutely. Have you got any parting thoughts? And then as you're thinking through that, uh, I always ask the guest to throw a challenge out to the men that the men can do week to week as they're in between podcasts, something simple, but maybe not easy, or maybe something super simple, but impactful. Yeah. yeah Whatever yeah. it might be. So uh, this is going to be not specific, but it's going to be a general thing. Uh, I think along the lines you're saying, 
Um, I believe that you can break a bad habit or develop a good habit in 30 days. You know, that's something I read in a book and I tried it. I think it'd be, it'd be true. I, I, I am of the mind now that every month you should be in the midst of that. So my good habit, actually, they can be both for last month was, um, you know, I, I believe that social media is here for us to use for, for good purposes. It's a wonderful tool, just like everybody was up in arms about the Gutenberg Bible 600 years ago. Twitter's no different. It's just a, it's just a means of communication, right? And it can be misused. And uh, I, you know, I don't always use it perfectly because I get tired or angry, you know, and then I don't use it well and I'm not yeast. I'm something different, right? Bad yeast, I guess. So I said, you know what? I'm going to find a way to do this better. And the way I found it to do it better was I, I asked myself, when do, when do I tweet well and when do I tweet badly? I tweet well in the morning when I have the most energy right after the workout. I tweet badly throughout the day or later at night or whatever, had a beer. All right, I'm only going to even look at Twitter at 6.30 in the morning. After I come back from workout, I put on this, uh, for some reason, it's on Apple Music, put on this Black Gospel station. I, the music is, I like Black Gospel music for some reason. I like the way they sing. Uh, so I put that on, puts me a good frame on, framework. That's the only time I tweet. I tried that for 30 days. I'm on day 30. Oh, wow. I'm on day 30. Uh, and Facebook, so I LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Slack. That's that's all I do, social media wise. Uh, and for the rest of the day, I don't look at it. Now, I was in a habit of looking it up throughout the day, getting in arguments with guys, whatever, tell myself I'm staying dusty. But I don't think I was. There was a lack of integrity in my words and deeds because of that. And I believe that's one of the things that we are granted dominion over by God. We don't have much. You know, what we put into our bodies, um, the purity of our thoughts when it turns to emotions and feelings, I believe that. And what comes out of our mouths, mainly, and what we do, we have dominion over that. Uh, we, you know, we can't blame anybody else for that. And my dominion over my output, the integrity, you know, the integration of my words and deeds, I believe was not what it could be or what it should be, what it could be. So I tried this. So I've been doing it for 30 days. And now after 30 days, I can attest that it is, it has worked in the sense that I haven't had my words, my communications through social media have been more integrated. I don't regret what I've done as much. And I have more time throughout the day because I'm not distracted. I'm not sitting there when my wife's trying to talk to me, looking at my, because I do it when she's not even awake. Right. So, you know, my phone's in my pocket. She's talking to me. I'm listening. It's a great thing. Kids talking to me. I'm listening. Not on the, not on the box, right? Because uh, I know. I'm like, well, I don't want, I'm not going to look at anyone. I'm not going to look at it until tomorrow at 0630. So that was my, what I call brick, I call brick uh, a positive habit. You know, um, that was my brick for this past month. And I'm working on my brick for October. I haven't decided what it's going to be. So this would be my challenge, I guess, is kind of what you're saying. I know you just want me to say, I challenge you to be a better man. But, uh, no, no, no. I don't want to challenge you to be a better man. Well, challenge, so, I keep it simple. You're looking for something short. Yeah, no, no. That's so yeah. oblivious. Be a better man. It's like, yeah, it's yeah, not right. specific. And then, right. then go forth and do what, you know? So right. no, I'm glad this one's a good one. I like yeah, it. Oh, good, good. So look at, you know, those three areas in your life where the Lord has granted you dominion, you know, input, purity, input, which put the wholesomeness of what you deposit in your body and soul, purity of heart, which is, um, you know, the, 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 your thoughts, feelings, and emotions output, the, in, the integrity of your words and deeds. Look at those three areas. I pray about that every day. 
uh, ask for the Lord to show me where I need improvement, admit those things and, and seek forgiveness for those things I failed in, and then ask for strength through the Holy Spirit to improve this day. But it's, an, it's one thing to ask for those things, but when the Lord shows you something, act on it or however you do it, you know. But if you say, oh, well, this is one thing, whatever it might be, this one thing, set out for 30 days to do that. Uh, this is actually the second, thir first 30 days I, I got back on the Spanish track. So I, I got in the habit of studying Spanish every night uh, for an hour, uh, which now is ingrained. So I've been doing it for 60 days. So just pick one thing to do it and then do it for 30 days and see if it works. You know, if you miss a day, like you, you mess up or whatever, just ask forgiveness to say, when we get back on the track on, on this next day. And just every day, look at it. And then at the end of those 30 days, look back and assess it and say, what wholesome or positive things have arisen or what blessings have I received? That's how one of my guys in my nine would put it. What blessings have I received from ingraining this, uh, this brick? You know, what demonstrable blessings do I want them to continue? And, it, you know, it might turn out that it wasn't the right thing or whatever, but, you know, do a little AAR after action review, say, yep. is this something that I want to continue? Should I sustain it? S for being sustained. And if so, then it becomes part of you. So that's what I'm going to be doing for the next few months and seeing. I haven't decided yet what October is going to be. I have a couple ideas, but uh, that would be my challenge. And I'd love to see feedback on that. You know, if it works for other men's and other men's lives or whatnot. Doesn't require really outside. If you think about it, you don't have to tell everybody this is what I'm doing. You're actually only the second person I told. I told Dark Helmet because he's like, hey, you seem to be disappearing for 23 hours a day. And I'm like, yeah, I am really I've been trying to do this. <laughs> so um, that would be my challenge. That's great. Yeah, I love that challenge. We've got uh, every January, we do something called The Ascent, which I put together a group of 12 guys, and then I help them focus on up to three things that they want to accomplish within 12 weeks. Good. Same, same idea. Exactly. And we minimize what we're tracking and what we're going after. Right. That way we can maximize the lanes that we're actually That's going right. to accomplish. So this is very, very similar with 30 days, focus on one thing. Right. Think about it if it was... If you did that, you'd have 12 a year. You know, it could be something you're going to refrain from or something you're going to engage in. Or like I said, you know, my social media thing was a little of both, right? But if, if it was 12 things, that would be 12 bricks that you've added, you know, to your leadership foundation is what the, I think the way we put it in the Q source. 12 things. Uh, and 12 things that you no longer have to think about. You know, so when I did prayer, you know, my daily prayer thing, I had to think about it. Obviously, I had a little Apple reminder and all that. Many days I'd get up and say, I don't feel like, you know, now that's such an ingrained thing is I don't have a reminder. I just half the time I'm sitting there for 10 minutes praying before I even think about it. Can I ask you a bonus question about prayer? Yeah, sure. You mentioned I pray one time a day. Well, I have a set prayer one time a day. You know, we prayed before we Absolutely, we did. Yep. And I often pray now when I get into bed. Uh, usually I thank the Lord for the day and ask him to show me, have, you know, sleep well and ask him to show me however he's going to show me what I can improve on or something. I, I pray when I, before I eat, those kind of things. But um, I have a systematic in the sense that I have categories of prayer that I go through every morning. It takes about 23 minutes that, you know, for instance, I pray. Ask for Thanksgiving for yesterday, and I have a piece of scripture for every day of the week that triggers that. Uh, I pray about today. I look at my schedule just for today, 
and I have a, a prayer about the day. Like, you know, you say you're going to go to this town or that town and gain a profit, but who you are, you're but a mist, you know, like that's out of James. So it helps me focus on that. And then I pray about that day. I say, Lord, help me to remember throughout this day that I'm working for you, not for human masters, you know, then in kingdom, right? Help me to remember today that uh, although I be uh, in this world, I am not of it, that th- I'm a visitor here. This is not permanent. Let me focus on the kingdom. So it's rote. You know, I, if you were a, a kind like a Baptist or something and you were really into like, you know, that, that this would not be helpful. You know, this is, this is the way I have to do it because I'm, this is how I am, you know, but this helps me to go through these categories. And then the second to last one is always intercessory prayer. Well, I said before about, you know, the, the, uh, about the Lord, you know, the devil wanting to sift you like flour. Cause that makes me think of my friends. So I pray about my friends and then I have a, I got, I mean, I got a spreadsheet basically. If somebody asks me to pray for them, I don't just say yes. If I, if I intend to do it, I say, tell me what you want to pray about. I put it on there. So I have a list, you know, and then I, I pray about that. So for instance, I'm trying to think of something that I know a guy would want me to, would have no problem with me saying. So Ice Nine broke his toe not long ago uh, in a freak action. He's my shield lock. So uh, I pray uh, every morning for him to have the, the blessing of healing and the spiritual um, gift that arises from suffering. So ultimately when his toe heals and he says, oh, I feel better today, I'm like, Right. I mean, and I'm very specific about my my prayer. So if somebody asks me to pray for him, I say, yes, I'm also going to come back for feedback. You know, you know, and periodically I'll say, hey, man, you asked me to pray for your son because he has this, you know, this spinal thing, whatever. Tell me where we are on that. And a lot of times they will say, oh, man, I know you're still praying about that. Yeah, he's, he's healed and he's recovered. I'm like, thank you, brother. <laughs> no. it's funny when i'm praying past when i need to pray for it yeah like, hey, I'm oh, I, yeah I guess, that was a month ago that's I been over I, for a long time yeah i don't know what you know i don't believe in like i would never say i was a born-again christian or you know whatever just a christian but uh i'm heavily influenced by you know c.s lewis obviously but i i'm kind of nuts and boltsy about it i'm like that about the practice of law as well i mean i have taken the practice of law, like my practice and reduced it, you know, uh, this is my, this is the, the, the litigation version of the Q source, right? I've never published this thing. This is the L source, awesome. the guidebook for the mission of litigator, you know? So like, you know, I wrote everything down that I think, and I give this to my guys and we have L source meetings every week and we go through it, you know, I'm like, this is cross-examination, you know, uh, these are the components of it. So that's just the way my mind works is to break it down to its components and then drill it, right? These, you know, drill it to make sure that, so I memorize scripture for that purpose. I have 55 pieces of scripture that I memorize. I have a memory drill after I pray to make sure that I never lose them. That's just the way I have to do it. You know, I I actually admire, you know, the guy that's like, when he prays is like the, Holy Spirit fills his heart. I, I admire the guy who holds himself up, hand up in church, that guy. I just have never done that. You know, that's just not, that's just not me. You know, uh, I think there's a million different ways to follow Christ, but only one path, right? But a million right. different ways to do it. 
uh, as long as you're not violating something that he told us to obey, you know, the way I do it is this kind of mechanical deal. And that way, you know, I don't have to stop and think, gee, do I really wish to, to pray about hope today? No, it's the fourth thing I pray about, Lord. You know, I mean, my hope is in you in the name of your son, nothing else. And I uh, read a little scripture about it, think about it for two seconds, and then think about them and sanctif- continue to sanctify me, though it may cause me pain. That, guys, that simple thing right there, the consistency yeah. of it. So when yeah. you're like, oh, I'm having trouble getting to church this week, or my kids are having trouble, or the family is not, if right. it's something you do every week, you do that for 30 days, yeah. you know, a whole month, you do that for two months. Yep. The kids don't start saying, hey, do we really got to go this week? And when right. they do, when they do, I mean, inevitably they will. Then right. you say, yeah. And then they get in the minivan. Yeah. I mean, of all things. <laughs> or the SUV I, or whatever. I got that idea from Kobe Bryant. Because I read this thing about Kobe Bryant, the reason why he was able to have such a long career, such a career, other than being supremely talented, was every day, wherever he was, he'd get up at 4 a.m., you know, and would have it arranged to have a gym where he went. He had, you know, a guy he took there with him wherever he goes, and he would do like these hour, two hours of these drills, shoot, you know, 500 pal shots and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, I was like, here's this guy. He's already going to basketball practice and playing all these games, but all these things that he needed to do. You know, uh, to mean so that he had figured out for himself so that he could continue to be to play in the highest of levels. So I took that idea and said, okay, what would the, and I have some for as a lawyer as well, but what would be these drills, these things that I would do on a daily basis to make sure that I am, my practice as a Christian is, is continuing to accelerate? And um, then I slowly developed, you know, these 17 prayer points, whatever you call them. And then I also read scripture for seven minutes a day, <laughs> no, no less, no more. You know, so I study it seven minutes a day and then memorize you know, my memorization drill. And, uh, you know, it ain't exciting, but it ain't exciting to shoot 100 foul shots. But I am fairly confident when I'm, if someone's asking me about faith, you know, um, I can point to the scripture and usually I have it memorized. You know, I can tell you where it is and what it says. Uh, because I think two things, number one, that provides me with, with competence in a, as a practitioner, but I think it would also to someone who's talking to me, it would give them confidence in what I'm saying, uh, because they would say, well, this guy believes it enough to memorize it. This was an art of manual's podcast this morning. We we're talking about charisma. And, uh, this woman has done this study of charisma. So there's two components. One is warmth and one is competence. And that's, that's charisma. And she describes it. said, if, if you are really technically good at what you do, but you're a cold person, people will not be drawn to you. But on the same token, if you are extremely warm, but you're incompetent, people will not respect you. So you, you have to have warmth and competence in equal measure. And I, I just, it's funny, it's just this morning I heard that. And I thought, wow, that just completely dovetails into everything I was ever taught about leadership and have learned, you know, that, you know, we say, you know, uh, mission first and men always, you know, in the military, I put that in the Q source. I mean, and you have to be technically and tactically proficient, but you have to care deeply and love your men deeply. And they have to know that you do, that you deeply care about them. Uh, and that, I think, is what draws men to certain leaders. Because they say, this guy ain't perfect, you know, says things I don't agree with, whatever. But he's warm, you know, he's exuding a sense of, of sympathy and trust and and he's 
notice I'm avoiding the words vulnerable and empathy because I think they've been, you know, mischaracterized, but I guess I'll just use them. I'm vulnerable in the sense that I'm willing to expose who I am and, and, and suffer the uh, accusations of hypocrisy or whatever anybody would say. I guess I'm, I guess that. So empathy in the sense that I'll really try, I will try to feel what other people feel, you know, but that's, if, if you're not that way, if you're not warm, if you don't care about other people and don't dig into who they are, then I think people know that, right? But the same token, you got to know what you're doing. You know, you have to be good at what you do. So if a guy leads a workout and he's not good at it, I won't pick on him during the workout. But later on, I'll say, man, you need to tighten this up. You just memorize these basic commands and it'll make you better, right? Because, you know, um, men really respect a man who can stand in front of them and lead a good workout. It's a great way to learn how to lead. <laughs> you know, so I think those are, I learned it today, I think those are the elements of charisma that what we think of as this essence. Why, why is this guy, why am I more likely to follow this guy or that guy? I think it does break down to those two things. And I realized that not accidentally, but from a different direction in F3, we've, we've practiced that, right? Absolutely, we That's do. Part of, it's part of who we are. It's baked into who we are. And if that helps men be better leaders where they are, starting with their wife and family, you know, their community, their job, all those things, if, if that helps, if ultimately we have men who are involved in politics, our governance, if they adopt some of those things, then, then we've done something, right? We've had impact. We sure have. We yeah. sure have. Well, I thank you so, so much for your time. Not only your time, but just everything that you've taken the time to compose and put in writing and then your podcast and all the structure and organization you put behind this so that other men can pick up on it. And it sure makes it a whole heck of a lot easier that we can disperse this knowledge and share it with others since you've organized it for us. Honor. Honor. That, that's a huge, huge deal. And uh, yeah, Q, Q source is so cool because you can just read through it real quick, get the point. You know, we all gabbed about exhortation the other day. It was great. You guys don't know what that word is. Go look it up. It's pretty <laughs> fun. <laughs> so, so anyway, I appreciate you so, so much. Look forward to continuing, uh, you know, hanging out on Facebook together and hopefully see you at a workout sometime soon. Yeah, I hope so. I, uh, I've gotten to San Luis a couple times, and, uh, but I want to get back there. Last time I went there, still in COVID, but. You guys were fighting through it, and uh, I'd love to get out there. I know you're getting, having your five-year. Are you having your five-year? Yeah, real soon. Yeah, real yeah. soon. I like, don't think I can get there, but, yeah, I want to get back to back to the Billiken. Great, a great place on earth. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. All right, brother. All right, guys. Execute the challenge and uh, share the podcast and uh, uh, throw some reviews out there on Apple Podcasts for me, would you? Appreciate it. Catch you guys later. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light. Shine that light out and let others see it. With you guys, part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. It helps me be accountable to myself, be accountable to God and Jesus. I hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. I hope you like the challenge and I hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others. Join us inside of the Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others. Have your buddies join. Have other dads that are looking to grow in their faith, grow as spiritual leaders of their family. As we engage in our journey and be intentional with it, we can help others grow theirs as well. We thank you again for listening. We thank you for all your reviews. Look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show. So, dear God, 
Thanks for blessing all of us and thanks for drawing us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have fun, guys.